0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. I ask that you remain standing as we read the gospel, and it is our tradition to stand to give honor and glory to the word and the work of Jesus as it's recorded this morning in Matthew's gospel, chapter 14. This will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat, privately, to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, I don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and his disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Pastor, they said, whenever you have points or you have parts to your sermon, they always come in threes. This was at least the observation of men's group about like nine months, maybe a year ago. And I'm not holding on to this comment or I'm not sour about it in any way or anything like that. No, 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 no. I just, I just like to point out whenever I'm not so predictable, and this morning is one of those times. We don't just have three parts or points to this sermon. We don't just have four or five. We have six, maybe seven. Six points that I want to bring out, that, that God's word brings out as we dive into this idea that Christians, that you and I can trust God's provision. The six points are going to be taken, as we mentioned before, from one of the most magnificent miracles that Jesus performs, the feeding of the 5,000. Here, we're going to see how it is and why it is that you and I can trust God's provision. I'm gonna give you the six points right away. They're, they're listed in your worship guide. It's this, that we can trust God to provide. Why? Well, because we look at the humanity of our provider. We look at the compassion of our provider, who is Christ Jesus. We're also gonna see the logic of our provision or how we think we need to provide for ourselves. And so we'll see a test, a test from our God, the test of God's provision, the place of God's provision, and finally, the full satisfaction of God's provision. And since... There is six points, maybe seven. We should dive right into it. We'll start with the humanity of our provider as we look at Matthew's gospel, the feeding of the 5,000, chapter 13. Begins this way. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. That's what introduces this miracle where Jesus teaches you and me and his disciples gathered there that he provides. When Jesus heard what happened, what happened? What happened was the death of John the Baptizer, the death of somebody who was to Jesus a close relative, maybe e- even a cousin. What happened? Well, John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, someone who came and preached a message of repentance, saying, turn to Christ. Look, here is the Lamb of God, long promised, long foretold by God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But John was not, also, not only the forerunner, he was also a force of a prophet. And so he got on the local government's bad side. King Herod threw him in prison. Herod threw him in prison because, well, his message was true to God's word. He says, Herod, you can't just go and marry your brother-in-law's wife. You you can't do that. But Herod didn't like that. He threw John in prison. And then one evening when Herod had his now wife, but sister-in-law's daughter, entertaining, doing a dance routine at a party, everyone was pleased. And Herod says, well, what do you want? up to half my kingdom, you name it, you got it. Prompted by her mother, she said, I want John's head. And so it was that the one that Jesus called the greatest of men ever to be born was, prou- was crowded around at a dinner party, head on a platter as a party trick. What's the context of this miracle where, where Jesus teaches us that, that God can provide? It's Jesus needing what God provides. It's Jesus in his humanity. Yes, he is true God. The God who promised that John would come. The God who promised that he would come as our savior. The God who arranged history and time to see that all that would take place. True God, but also true man. Hearing this news, and then just needing to get away. Needing to get away by boat privately, away from the crowds, at, at least for a time, to a solitary place. As we hear in other gospels, it was to rest. It was to rest in his father's arm, to do, to do something no different than, than you and I would need to do after hearing news like this. To go to our God in prayer. Do you see the humanity of our provider. He is one who, who knows us. He's not distant and far off and, and doesn't understand the, the struggles that we feel, the spiritually solidary places that we often find ourselves in when life's challenges come. Now, this is the humanity of our provider, someone who knows what you need and knows what it is to need what only God can give. And so he goes to, to be by himself because he needed that. And he's, as much as he needed that, the crowds needed him. And so we see part two, the, the compassion of our provider. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus heard about John the baptizer and so he withdrew. The crowds heard about Jesus, the miracle worker, and they flew. They flew to him to be by his side. But you see the compassion of our provider. As much as he needed this, he needed this time to be with his close disciples as they wrestled with their doubts about what the death of John meant and and how that affected Jesus' ministry. He also knew what the crowds needed. And so you see the compassion of our provider. He provided exactly what they need. He brought to them, as crowds brought to them, those adults ridden with cancer. He healed them. As they brought forward the sick kids, he healed them. As he brought forward people who dealt with emotional and physical pain for perhaps for years, he healed them. This is the compassion of our provider. He wants to do this. He wants to come and give you all of his gifts, to give you what you need. This is what he he died to do. This is what he descended into our wilderness to do. Do you see who our provider is? Just three verses in, three verses in to this, this narrative of this miracle, we see a God who, yes, he he knows us. He knows our humanity. He is able to sympathize with our humanity. But it's not just sympathy in our humanity. It is also the action of the compassion of our God because he is not only someone who knows us, he is someone who is able to do something about it because he is true man and also True God, this is the compassion of our provider. Then it was getting late. I don't know which one of the disciples it was, but they thought it through and it's already past evening, meal time. And Jesus, he, he's always overextending himself. He's always, always catering to the crowds. So we gotta do something about it. Someone's got to go let them know. It's time to send them home. And so we see the logic of our provision. As evening approached, the disciples came to him. They said, oh, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Can we just agree for a moment? This is a good plan. I mean, this is... A pretty good plan, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with what the disciples were thinking. Am I right? I mean, let's remember this is the first century. People were not packing goldfish for their kids. They weren't bringing protein bars for the adults. Now, this wasn't a case where people heard like, hey, did you guys hear? Jesus is healing on the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee today. Let's pack the Weber grill and the cooler. He tends to stay out all day. Great tailgating opportunity." I'm getting carried away, but here's why. It's so we can just agree for a moment that this makes sense, right? This is a logical plan from the disciples, right? But can our logical solutions be sin? Can our seemingly sensical solutions to common everyday occurrences where we need to provide for daily things like meals, can it actually be a distrust and mistrust in our provider? Can your practical day-to-day plans for how it is that, that you need to provide for all of the things that you and your loved ones need in your life. Can it be distrust in the one who provides fully? Think about for a moment where the disciples are, where Jesus is. Matthew's gospel describes it as a private, solidary place. Northeast corner Sea of Galilee. Other gospels describe it as a desert wilderness, a remote place, a desolate place. It makes sense. There's no towns around. Do you picture being there? I want you to picture being there because, well, I want you to think about not just the physical geography of the place, but the spiritual geography. Here's why. I hope this makes sense. A pastor I admire, he, he often encourages people to think about the places that the Holy Spirit describes in Scripture because, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't waste words. He wants us to learn something from what's going on in Jesus' teaching in his life. And we can't relate to this place physically. I mean, not on the East Coast. No, if, if you are ever, ever hungry and need something, there's a gas station. There's a store, a grocery store, not far away. We don't ever really find ourselves in places where, oh no, what are we going to do for our next meal? No, physically, the physical geography of this, it, it doesn't really make sense. But does the spiritual geography. Spiritually, do you know what it's like to be in a place where you have need? I know you do. I do. And if it's not this morning, you've experienced that. And if you've never experienced it, you will experience it, where you're in a place where you spiritually need what God gives. Hope, forgiveness, community of Christian people, joy, peace. We've experienced those times where it seems like it's getting late, and I've expected to to feel satisfied or or have my regular serving of God your blessings at this time, but where is it? And it's not just as easy as going to the next town over or or driving to the grocery store or doing a at home delivery no. You know what it's like to be in those places where you need what God provides. And it's in those places, those places in life, that that spiritual geography point that well, it's the most difficult to trust that God does provide. I mean, it's real easy to trust that God provides when the sun is shining in your life, when the relationships that you care most about are strong, when, when work is going well, when you got the schedule and life just organized and everything's headed in the right direction. No, it's, it's really easy to trust that God will provide when the sun's shining bright. But what about when it looks like it's setting? And there's what's been called the dark night of the soul. What do you do then? Can it be that our logical, everyday, down-to-earth solutions to provide for ourselves are actually sin? Because we actually are not trusting in the one to provide. I mean, just for a moment, ask yourself, where do you turn first? Where do you turn first when, well... It's, it's a bad day and you need to rest. You need to unwind. Do you turn to the one who makes our cups overflow? Or is our first thought, wow, well, I need to unwind. It makes sense. I'll just turn to a cup of wine or beer. Where do you turn? Where do you turn when you face challenging situations? Situations where there's really not a clear outcome here. Do you turn to your God who has proven himself to be compassionate and full of love? Or is it head down, grind it out, you'll figure it out. Where do you go? Where do you go when the desolate place in your life, the lonely place in your life is actually caused by you, your sin? Do you tell yourself a a logical sounding idea, a lie? I can't go to God. I can't go to God because he'd be mad. I can't turn to him because I know it's wrong and he judges this. Makes sense. I can't turn to him now. I did that on purpose. Where do you go when you find yourself in a spiritual geography point that is barren. This one's uniquely American. Do you even go to those places? Do you even go to places that that might be desolate, that might seem a little bit solitary? I mean, think about these crowds. They knew where Jesus was going, and they beat him to it because they wanted to be there. They wanted to be by his side. But do we so surround ourselves with modern creature comforts that we go, oh, Jesus is going there? I'll wait till he sails back a little bit closer to home. We've called this section the, the logic of our provision, but you've seen that in parentheses, it's, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense if you think about who's there with the disciples. It's Jesus. It's the one who is literally providing in that moment for people's physical needs. He's healing them, all of them. He's doing it all day long. Well, it's getting late. Guess we gotta go. There's no food here. And so Jesus tests them. The next part, part four, we're calling it the test of God's provision. Jesus replied to them, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. See what Jesus is doing, don't you? He's taking this moment to teach his disciples, to teach you and me, the illogic of our provision. And so he asked a question, a question that is almost a, a piercing one. He says, oh, oh! you think they need to leave? Oh, you think that we got to get them home before it gets dark, do you? Is that what you think? Oh, how about this? They don't need to leave. You give them something. And you can feel the weight of this just insensible, illogical idea pushing down on the disciples. <laughs> we have five loaves of bread. There's 5,000 people. Two fish. That's all we have. But you see what Jesus is doing, don't you? they could do the math. They could add it all up and see that there is no way that they could pay enough or bring enough to cater for 5,000 people. What the disciples were doing, well, it wasn't wrong, seemingly. Their eyes didn't fail them, but their faith failed them. Their trust in the one who provides was failing. And so God tested them. God tested them by letting them for a moment focus on themselves. You do it. You give them something to eat. They said, We can't. We can't do it. And that's just the point. In a way, they passed the test. They admitted it. They admitted their own failure. They admitted that they were in a physical place where they couldn't do a thing about the food. They admitted in that spiritual geography place, there is nothing that they could do to provide. It's then that Christ steps in and lets them know the answer to the test. This is the place of God's provision the place it's rather a person where he always provides jesus said to them bring them here to me and he directed the people to sit down bring them here to me and he directed the people to sit down on the grass taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven he gave thanks and broke the loaves then he gave them to his disciples And the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate. They all ate. And were satisfied. You think about what Jesus did. In the moment where they despaired of themselves and they realized that they couldn't do it, Jesus, bring them to me. Bring them to me. Bring the people, bring the five loaves, bring the two fish. And he took them. And he took their solution their illogical solution. And he blessed them in a better way. He blessed them in a way that they couldn't even imagine could happen. From five and two, he fed them all. They were all satisfied. This is the place of God's provision. It is, it is not really a place, it is a person. But if you're ever lost, if you're ever spiritually hungry, here's where it is. It is at your Savior's side. What does he say? Come here, bring it to me. Bring it to me. You have needs, you have lack, you want, you're hungry, you're thirsty, spiritually or physically or emotionally, bring it here. Bring it to me. I will provide. We see it. We see that Jesus provides here in this moment, but what Jesus provides, you know, is greater and stretches far beyond this miracle. This, the miracle that he gives to you pales, makes this miracle of feeding the 5,000 pale in comparison. Listen, listen to what we read in Ephesians. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the spiritual heavenly realms with. Every spiritual blessing, just some of the things that you need. No, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. Every one, everything that you need is yours. Why? Because think about this. Think about the one who, as Ephesians goes on to say, chose you before the word of God even came to be. That one will provide for you. The one who predestined you and set you purposefully in his family, giving you his adoption as sons and daughters of Christ. This one. This one who worked out all things when the times were just right to send Jesus into our wilderness, into our desolate places of life. That one. That one. If he took care of every spiritual blessing that you could possibly imagine and those you can't even imagine. He cares for you. He provides for you. I mean, do you see what this means? Do you see what this means for your spiritual GPS? It means you're never lost. It's never actually that you're in a place that is desolate, that is deserted, that is solitary. No, you're never going to be in those lonely places because he's changed your spiritual geography. The place of God's provision is always with you, in you, under you, over you, next to you, because it's Christ. It's Christ Jesus, who who we said descended into our desolate places. He took on the loneliness himself, when he went to the cross and suffered what we needed to suffer, the Father's abandonment. He is the one who came and he gave to us the very bread of his body, the very blood of his body for you, for your forgiveness, to strengthen you, to preserve you, to keep you in the one true faith until we get to be with him forever. He's the one who gives and gives and gives and makes sure that your cup pours over. And then when you think that you have, okay, I have these spiritual blessings, he's also the one who invites you to pray. Pray it, pray it, pray it often, ask for it, the daily bread. I'll see to it, I'll see to it that you have food in your bellies, a roof over your head and clothes on your back. This is your God. This is your God who descended into the most deserted parts of life to provide for you, to provide all that you need. And look how he does it. He does it till you're satisfied. This is part six, the satisfaction of God. The narrative of Jesus feeding the 5,000 ends this way, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 5,000 men besides women and children. This is God's word. Look how Jesus answered. Look at how Jesus provided. He provided not just a little, not just a Ritz cracker. Here you go. You guys divide it up, figure it out. He provided so much, so much that there was leftovers. We're gonna ask why. Why do you do this? Well, first, Jesus did this because one thing is certain. And that is this, that his kingdom, it's not one of scarcity. It's one of sufficiency. His grace is sufficient for you. And your God who gives you his grace and said, that's enough, then gives you grace upon grace. He gives you all that you need. And the second reason, the second reason why Jesus didn't just overestimate like how much they actually needed. And he didn't underestimate like, you know, are they going to be that hungry or not? No, no, no. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing by producing so much that every single disciple filled up a, a basket full of leftovers. It was so that tangibly in their hands, Jesus' disciples, you and me here today, we'd know. We'd know that this is a God who provides. And not just a little bit. He is a God who satisfies everything that we need. So that we would would go home knowing that there's no crowd too big. There's no place in your life that's too lonely. There's no reason too big or too small to go to God. The answer is called, come here, bring them to me. Bring it. What do you got? I will provide. And that leads us to this. Our last point. You can trust. You, Christian, you, daughter of God, you, son of the most high, can trust. You can trust God to provide. Why? Because he is true God and true man our provider, our savior, Jesus Christ, he knows what you need. He is not able to like ignore what you have. No, he is able to empathize with our humanity, but not just give us sympathy for the humanity. He's also God who is, who is able to do something about it. His compassion takes action and he comes to us. He comes to us even in the illogical ways where we think we need to provide for ourselves. And he provides for us in ways that we could never imagine. Sending his son on a cross to give us what we need. Death to give us life. That is our provider. And he's always with you. The place of his provision, it's near you. It's in his words. It's in your mouth. It's always by your side. Giving you a little bit? No. Giving you everything that you need. Amen.